Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Scott Dockerman, we've had Scott on many times before to discuss Iowa Big Ten football. He joins Craig and Paul. I'm David Smoke. Scott, thank you very much for your time. So you wrote an article, 2014 format like the FCS and much more. How much fun was that to write it and see how it might have worked out? Oh, it was great. I, I've always enjoyed kind of playing around with these types of scenarios and seeing where it takes me, and I think this one was uh, every bit as fun as that. And watching FCS and D2 and some of the other uh, levels go through a, a major tournament like this, 24-plus teams, uh, it, would have, it was fun to really apply and see how it would have impacted uh, Division One or FBFs football, and and I think uh, going through the process, trying to keep it as close as I could to what the uh, committee came up with, I think was uh, it was really interesting. So Scott, uh, you know, I, I read I read the article this morning, and I um, I started thinking about it, and I was like, oh well, that never happened. But then there is a school of thought that if the 12 team playoff works out well enough and they make enough money from the 12 team playoff and they're kind of skewing towards an NFL model anyway, where the NFL keeps expanding their playoffs in their season, it's not too far outside the realm of possibility that maybe there would eventually be a fervor for uh, maybe on all the 24, but, but more, more teams than 12. Yeah, I think so. I think what we'll see is, um, you know, the first thing will be the first couple of years of 12 teams. I think you're going to see the first four teams that have buys get really jealous very quickly um, and say that why is it that teams five through eight get a game on their campus and we can't. And you look at the, these four teams currently uh, that are going to the playoffs, Michigan, Washington, um, Texas, and Alabama. What would it be like if they held a game on their campus and, um, you know, in a playoff game, and especially when you start to get into that uh, second round where there's some really big matchups, 
instantly those would become some of the biggest matchups any of those campuses would ever have held. And, and so I, I would anticipate even by the second or third year that those, some of those schools are going to start to say that we need to have some of these games on campuses. And, and the other fact that is if you've got a good team and, and that could go, all the, go around the distance, I mean, you're going to have three games uh, at destination locations. I mean, you know, what, what's the average fan going to do from even Austin to say that they'd have to go to Pasadena, Miami, and New Orleans or something like that? And, you know, and three out of four weekends, that's going to be just a lot to ask of your fan base. So that's why I think that the home campuses are going to be, you know, something that's going to be pushed first. And then you're going to start to see a push for 16 teams because – uh, you know, the bowl, upper level bowl games aren't going to be good enough. And then finally, I could see a 24 team type playoff, uh, you know, starting to really work its way around the, the sport. And we're talking probably a decade away, but uh, that was one of the things when they went to a 14 playoff that I remember Jim Delaney saying, we didn't want any bracket creep. Well, here we are. You know, they're, they, they're ending it early. <laughs> so Scott, you're clearly a proponent for an expanded playoff, as, as I think most of us at this, I think all of us at this table are as well. What are your thoughts when people say that it will water down the regular season? Although this is probably the worst year ever to say anything about watering down the regular season with the postseason decision that was made. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're gonna you're gonna automatically take something away, and and in Big Ten country, for instance. You know, now that they're going to they're eliminating divisions, you could have the potential for three Michigan Ohio State games. Not only playing the final regular season game, but playing in the Big Ten championship game, and then possibly meeting them again in the playoffs. So that's something that I think would water down the regular season. Maybe not you know a, a rematch, but if you get three games against the same teams, that could really uh, stand out. But um, you know, I, I still think these games matter. Um, the, the rivalry games matter. Um, championship, conference championships matter. But ultimately, getting to the playoff is going to be kind of like getting into March Madness, getting into the NCAA tournament is what matters. You know, winning a, a Big 12 or Big 10 men's basketball title is important, but ultimately it's how you perform in March. And I think for, for teams that are just on the outside that always seem to be outside looking in, like a Penn State, for instance, the, the tournament's going to be a godsend because the, the New Year's Six Bowls are, are like consolation prizes. And you're going to see there are tons of opt-outs uh, for, you know, and the transfer portals impact some of those teams. When you get to the tournament um, and you got a chance to win a national championship, people aren't going to opt out. If they do, then I hope there's some strong questions by the uh, NFL because unless they're injured, um, that will look like quitting more than it will be opting out. There was a time you had to play 10 games, then it was 11. My God, it went to 12 and 13. Now it can be 15 or so. Scott, would there be anything in danger that we now have in college football, conference championship games or otherwise, that might have to be, uh, I don't know if the word would be eliminated, but have to be looked into about playing those games? Yeah, I think uh, if, if they do go something deeper than what we will have next year that 12 team model then i think you're going to have to eliminate the conference championship game or or incorporate it as part of the regular season i think what we saw during the COVID year was uh, the big 10 called it uh champions week and it was kind of a matchup week and uh some of in a lot of the games didn't even get played because of COVID. but that could be something that could be a part of it say thanksgiving weekend where um 
conferences have like one open game scheduled and you know maybe you they figure it out as far as who gets a home game who doesn't that sort of thing but you know you have you reserve the championship it's part of the regular season that's something that i think could end up happening or i could even see week zero actually becoming week one to kind of space this out a little bit but but yeah you're asking a lot out of these athletes um who are officially still unpaid um, to you know, go through, take their bodies through this rigorous season. Um, you're probably going to have to subtract, subtract something um, in order to ensure that they can last the, the, the whole tournament. Scott, you did cover the SCS playoffs. Uh, you mentioned it in the column uh, today as well, and it is weird to me that. Um, you know, the argument, you know, sometimes, oh, about money and this and that, but at that level, they have less money, uh, less amenities and all that. And it seems to work for them very well. And they love it. They love it. I covered division two for about four or five years back in the early two thousands. And I covered Northwest Missouri state when I lived in St. Joseph, Missouri. And, um, and they were always in the playoffs and they, the, the playoffs really mattered. It galvanized the community it's kind of like it's real similar to high school football playoffs. It just, you know, it's just farther away. And, and when you look at like some of the games this weekend, this last weekend at FCS level with Montana hosting, uh, North Dakota state was on the road. South Dakota state was at home. And then I looked at some of the D three schools and I, I think this was, it, it just, it really is important. I don't know that, um, you can incorporate the bowl structure for, for teams like that, but getting the chance to go to Frisco or, or wherever those tournament, those uh, championship games are held, they, they really matter at that level. So I think they would be the same thing. I think it's going to be the same thing come next year when, when they get a taste of the tournament and you start to see some of those on-campus games where maybe uh, the big 10 and sec mix it up for, you know, a game or so on the first weekend, it's just going to be uh, something special. Scott, you covered Iowa, obviously the Big Ten, a team that is probably, un- uh, uh, I guess, in the radar, under the radar, the microscope more than anybody else because of the offense. But yet they just keep on winning. They just keep winning where most teams wish they could go 10-2 and two or whatever every single year. What about them moving forward without Ferentz as the offensive coordinator? Yeah, now that they've got to hire a new offensive coordinator, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what direction they take this this program goes because there there are certain positives that they have that, as you mentioned, that you don't go 10-2 and two against any competition unless you're well-coached, you're disciplined, you're tough, you're, you're hard-nosed, you were able to make things happen. And, yes, their defense was outstanding this year, as good as I can ever remember it, and probably the best coaching job they ever did. And the offense, they had a lot of injuries this year, which really hurt them, but then they uh, covered it up by not having players that were capable of carrying it out. So uh, I think going forward with an expanded Big Ten, and, and I, they're still going to be a competitive program. Uh, you know, But how do they win some of those games? It's going it's to all be, depend on – you know who they hire as an offensive coordinator who can they can bring in whether it's from the portal or just upward and uh and i still think they'll be competitive because uh you know year in and year out kirk parents does a really good job with the talent he has and once in a while when they have really exceptional talent they can get right up in there and and uh and i I think there's you know a, a bevy of teams probably 
the number 15 to 20. I think Baylor's another one. This year wasn't their best year, obviously, but in a couple of years ago, they, they were outstanding. But I think you can get in that territory depending on how the, team, the, the season works out, injuries, schedule, and uh, just a few variables when they go their way. Scott, is is Kirk Ferentz ready to, like you mentioned, they've got to see who they get and what can happen in the portal, but uh, approach things differently because the Big Ten West is over. Like, it, it's done. So they're not going to maybe – they're not going to have that schedule where you know, like, okay, if we get Minnesota and, and these teams you know, that play the similar style as us, we can maybe run and hide with this. It's it's wide open now with 18 teams. Um, that, that's where their adjustments are going to have to take place on offense. And, you know, his son is – done after the bowl game and I think that's where they're gonna have to move forward but you know one of the kind of misnomers I mean they did have a winning record against the East teams and they were the only team to beat every one of them including Ohio State Michigan and Penn State multiple times so um, so that they'll be competitive Wisconsin will be as well once they kind of get right Uh, where it's going to be difficult at, at times it'll be for it's really at the top because the, the East division gets a big name, you know, because it has those three powerhouses. But the rest of the division, Michigan State's not been very good. Indiana's been terrible. Rutgers and Maryland are average at best. So uh, the, the West actually has a higher floor. There's more competitiveness. But, the, uh, of course, the East has a higher ceiling. I think you mix it all up, and um, you're still going to see kind of the same cream rise to the top. And, and, uh, but then I, I, by the wild cards are the new teams. Because you know immediately you think, wow, USC and UCLA. Well, they didn't play very well this year. USC didn't. Uh, I think they played, um, you know, nine man defense this year. And and Washington, Oregon are great, but you know they they can fluctuate up and down too. And and drive going across the country is going to be really challenging for them. So it's going to. Uh, there's a lot of fascinating developments going on with the Big Ten, and and I'm really anxious to see how it all plays out. Scott, I, I have to ask you with Matt Rule at Nebraska that they were. Well, uh, at the end of the year, they found ways to lose games in which they had them wrapped up even early in the year. Did you see something that was different under Matt Rule the first year, despite the fact he had another bowl season or a lack of a bowl season? Yeah, there were. I think they were make, they made great strides uh, defensively. They haven't played like this in close to ten years. Uh, they were one of the better teams in the Big Ten defensively. And then uh, line of scrimmage play on offense was really good. Um, their skill position players made just too many mistakes. Um, quarterback was a mess for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, running back was okay. And they didn't really have anybody stand out at the wide receiver position. So, you know, whether they go in the portal, I know they've had uh, Kyle McCord and Julian Fleming visit them this last weekend from Ohio State. If they can land a combination like that, that, you know, Nebraska's in the same pot. They just, uh, surprisingly, they haven't been to a bowl game since 2016, which anybody who you know, can remember, even in the early 2000s, would thought that there's just no way that it would ever happen. But I think Matt Rule has, has done a good job of putting them back on track. And and if he once he gets his players at, at the skill positions, then Nebraska will be a competitive program, at least for the, the middle class of the Big Ten and not where they've kind of slummed it up for the last seven, eight years. Good stuff. Again, go to the article, Scott, document again on the 2014 playoff or at least what it would be like compared to what the uh, FBS has right now. Scott, thank you very much for your time, Craig. Yeah, Scott, let me ask you this. I mean, in this situation, how much bigger is that Citrus Bowl with Iowa and, and Tennessee? Now, I know they'd be 
you know, on the edge there as far as how big you expand it. But let's say you get a 24, like that'd be a playoff game. How much more exciting and enticing would that be compared to however it is Hawkeyes fans are feeling about playing Tennessee in the Citrus Bowl as is? That's exactly going to be the point with the 2014 team. You know, because the Alamo Bowl, the Citrus Bowl, the bowl formerly known as the Outback, uh, those were upper tier kind of bowls, but now they are, they're going to be letdowns for those teams that are 13, 15, 17, that thought, that thought they had a chance that they lost their conference championship game or what have you. You know, in the Citrus Bowl now, it's kind of like, hey, first, first prize outside of the, the, the New Year's Six. And going forward, if you got a chance to play for a playoff spot or in a playoff, maybe it's at Nayland Stadium, maybe it's at Kinnick Stadium. I think that would just be the environment and the energy around this game would be so much different than it is now, where it's kind of like, yeah, we'll go to Orlando and have a good time and play a game, but you wouldn't have. I think mean, I think there's six players for the Tennessee secondary that's opted out now. That still may not help Iowa any, but <laughs> but you know, I, I I think if you were to see it the way it's uh you know Tennessee's offense versus Iowa's defense in a real game at one of those stadiums it would just be an awesome development thank you Scott good stuff as always Scott Dockerman with us the athletic this has been a rogue media network production